So bhavana cultivation through through the day and not wishing to you know decry the value of formal meditation practice but this is the shaping up the focusing the sharpening of qualities that we cultivate throughout the day if you don't cultivate them throughout the day there's nothing to sharpen up sharpening is just the kind of technique or act of the will (laughs) trying to pull it together but unless one creates the proper foundations and seeds and um, attitudes and energies then you know, it's a bit late really (laughs) so mindfulness moving, notice the body moving, how it moves standing, walking, moving, sitting down picking things up, getting to the end of a movement of picking something up pausing, putting something down carefully sensing the releasing of the hands as you put something down how the body functions smoothly you don't it doesn't clunk and drop things, it puts things down carefully and lets go. It knows how much effort to, is needed to pick something up. You don't have to weigh it. Your body picks hold of something, feels the resistance and moves against that resistance to lift something. Yeah? You don't have to think about it. You don't find yourself throwing a cup up into the air because you lift it too hard. You, you carefully pick something. You always put it to your lips. You never stick it in your eyes. You know, the body seems to know where the lips are. As it gets closer, you can feel your attention go to your mouth and the mouth lips become more and more apparent and then the hand and the lips signal to each other. Here we are, here we are, like a spaceship coming into land. And then it goes. You, know, you put forks, metal prongs into your mouth without sticking them in your nose. And you don't have to think about it. You can even do it while you're talking. You notice that? Sensitivity there? Probably not. Because it happens without involuntarily, we don't really notice it. So our minds are going somewhere else actually bonding attention to the body and you feel there is an intelligence there that's responsive receptive fine, tuned, sensitive can firm up be strong be soft sensitive, protective yeah and it's working for you you get cold, you notice how your body tightens up and tries to protect you from painful feeling. 
even though it can't. It's doing its best. Like a father or like a mother, the protector. Mother nourishes, the father protects. (coughs) Hard tissues, soft tissues. Firm energies, soft energies. Mm. The balancing of those together. Now this is not just an interesting understanding of body, but also if your mind bonds to it, your mind picks up those qualities, those tones, those sensitivities, that receptiveness, that sensitivity to conditions. So we're not using the mind like it's a machine or like a piece of like a compass or you know or a measuring stick. Using it like a careful hand that picks something up, handles it, feels what it feels like to be holding this. Mm-hmm. Adjust to it. So it's a sensitive responsive system. And so, when you know that, also, yeah, mind, when it can bring up these protective uh, qualities, yeah, goodwill protects us from ill will. Compassion protects us from being overwhelmed by sorrow, despair. Willingness to experience the unpleasant. In a caring way, rather than you know, just getting depressed by it all. Mudita, the happiness, the gladness, whenever there's comfort, goodwill, skillful things, heart rising up. Equanimity, the heart having the confidence to step back and recognize this will change. This difficult piece will change. This exciting piece will change. It's it's of the nature to change. And if you abide in equanimity, you notice change. If you don't abide in equanimity, you're always doing the changing. You don't witness it, you don't notice it. And again, the mind, the heart will do this. So we have to come into heart intelligence when everything else fails mm. and whether like this I remember when I met early Tudong in Thailand Tudong is when a summoner monk goes walking through landscape, nature, jungles forests such as there are, whatever is left and living very simply with just um, bowl, robes, and in, in Thailand you get a, a large umbrella which you have a mosquito net hanging off it. But it's a large um, and you sleep under it. So you hang it in a tree and this large umbrella acts as a canopy and you, you sleep under it. Of course it's a large umbrella if you're Thai. <laughs> if, you're, 
if you're supersized, it's a not very large umbrella, and your feet stick out, <laughs> and your head sticks out. So your head sticks out in the mosquito net, and your feet stick out. <laughs> you have to curl up, and you're a bit long, too long. <laughs> and I remember when these, the first night out, I was too long, we, we came to a, a, just a place in the in the wilds and we so I went I went in one direction, my partner went in another direction, we hung up our our mosquito umbrellas called Grot and then it started the wind started blowing and when it blows it tilts so the umbrella swings so you get even less cover because the umbrella is now swinging and it started raining. It started raining. As you know, suddenly you've only got these robes, it's quite cool. The rain coming, the rain, first of your feet getting wet. You huddle up, curl the feet under the umbrella, is now useless because it's swinging. Your legs get wet, your head gets wet, shoulders get wet. Wet, cold, wind, rain. And then you kind of curl up, your back gets wet. Because of course the cotton transfers all the water. Your back is wet, shoulders are wet, legs are wet. You've got this little zone of warmth. Your chest and your belly and your chest gets wet. You've got this little zone of warmth in your belly. You're trying to hold on to this little piece of warmth. (laughs) And then gradually it gets wet (laughs) and cold. (laughs) And the cloth is glued to the skin by the rain and the wind. It's dark, you can't see anything, nowhere to go don't know where you are, just lying there in the wet, cold rain. Body shivering. It's done its best. Can't do any more. It's lost all it's losing its external warmth. And you just have to go into the mind and, oh, may I be well. (laughs) This will pass. Just just bear with it. This will pass. Just like a, you know, a mother or a father when the child is sick and they, they realise, well, it's sick. You know, but you just hold it and comfort it, lying there until, you know, eventually the sun comes up. So at dawn you can see you get out and you're dripping wet. But the sun comes up. And you're, oh, you're grateful for the sun. And you feel a little things dry out and you build a little fire and hang the robes up and shivering and then this gladness getting warm again the warmth returning the mudita oh oh, I'm so happy you know just notice that when you come out of the cold rain and you go into your kuti notice that ah you get a blanket around you ah a tone of that, oh, you get into bed, oh, you know. <laughs> yeah. now, of course, these are just sensory things, but no, notice how the mind, can your mind relax, you know, and realize, pick up, notice it's picking up the tone of the body. It's picking up the bodily tone where it's stressed, the body is stressed, the mind feels stressed. 
when the, when the body relaxes and is calm and happy can you let your mind stay with that process calmer and happier so this is our you know, first place when we come to meditate pick up the tone body is settled nobody's bothering me I can relax my shoulders I can open my skin I don't have to protect myself nobody's shouting at me you're fine nobody's accusing, criticising you're fine, welcome really welcome welcome yourself into into the space (coughs) keep doing it make the place you're where you're sitting, your safe home, wherever it is. Then your mind can do that. You see, if your body is there, then easily the mind switches off and drifts somewhere else. Bring your mind into a settled body, a warm body. Yeah? And so that when it when it's not that way, then you know when your mind is when your body's not comfortable not warm, experiencing pain, then your mind can act like a mother or a father, a comforting feeling, sympathizing with the distress, feeling the feeling as a feeling, and recognizing, yes, feeling is like this, it is uncomfortable at times, never mind. This is a chance for kindness, compassion, goodwill. Mm. It's time for loving. You know, it's in the Metta Sutta, you have the phrase, even as a mother takes with her life, her child, her only child. Of course, I'd like to say a few good words for fathers too, who regularly lay down their lives for their children, or allow themselves to be killed for the sake of their families, sacrifice their lives in terms of danger. Of course, the mother, you know, the good mother anyway, does that whether it's danger or not, it's that sense of nourishing. The father is the protector, the mother the nourisher. Both these qualities. These are qualities that humans, animals, mammals, elephants, they do the same. Yeah. So, you know, when we look at, consider the word love, and it's used in a variety of ways, and unfortunately, Often it's used just for passion, raga, which isn't really what I mean, clearly. This love seeks excitement, seeks to derive pleasure, seeks to excite, seeks to consume. It's like a fire, a fire of raga, burning, eating things up. Then you have, then... There's the fire or the love, which is the love parental, protector, cherisher, that which 
feels, sensitizes, sympathizes, and is prepared to extend towards that which is unpleasant, painful, confused, distressed, extending the heart, extending rather than complaining, criticizing, getting annoyed or just switching off. Dana of the heart. And to regard the uh, body, the thoughts, the conditioned world, the sensations, the feelings that run to the body, just as one regards this occurring to one's child, or one's friend, or one's pet, you know. <laughs> Deep sympathy. Not, maybe nothing much you can do about it, but at least you have that heart wakening, extending the heart. So this is, you know, often, unfortunately, parents, sometimes they either smother, always trying to fix, tidy the child up, law and order, shape them up, make them tidy, you know. This isn't really, this is, it may be, very inadequate, inadequate to what's really needed just for the growth of the human rather than citizen. Human. Extending the heart. So that it doesn't matter. You know, if, if your mind is wrong or right, your body is in pain, doesn't matter, don't you never give up the heart towards it. Doesn't mean you smother it or adore it or fascinated by it, but that sense of wise supervision. A friend, another kind of love, like a companion, cheerful. Something you you associate with. Walk along with your body. Bring your mind into your body like it's a friend. And of course, what's called divine, or the completely altruistic equanimity, surveying. One's conditions, one's karma, affected, touched, not giving up, not wincing, not retracting, not getting agitated, extending the heart. These are the beautiful cultivations, the Appamana, Brahma Vihara, Appamana, is the phrase that's there in the in the recitation, apamana without measure. It means there's no measuring. You don't say, "Well, you're worth one and a half minutes of metta." That's about it. Or 
you had a minute of metta yesterday, you can have a minute yesterday, but you didn't get much better, so I'm withdrawing it. <laughs> you didn't use your metta wisely enough. I've wasted it on you. Instead, I'm going to bring it to somebody I like. That's the measuring mind. Measureless, not calculating, not you know, not creating limits. Steady. So if you, you can do as an exercise, cultivate this exercise, sweeping through the body, as you can bring your awareness to the sensations, the, and the head, the throat, and so forth, in a steady progression up and down the body, the back, remember the back, the sides, it's slow or fast, just as if you're bathing the skin, or massaging, but more like just just washing it mm. with a mind of sensitivity. Someone feeling pulses. Someone checking. How is this? And you cultivate like this. Mm. Two, so that your attention is much more responsive, sensitive. And you may find that your body re- responds to that, not just physically, but energetically. And as it, it, it tingles, it sort of warms up. It comes alive. Particular places that I've mentioned many times, palms of the hands, soles of the feet. These are often quite closed because soles of the feet, we put rubber or leather onto them and, and stomp around on them. So they just, we don't use them as organs of, of listening. We use them as just as something you press your body down on. But there's a spring in there, a spring, and ticklish, sensitive. You can spend time just contemplating that quality in the soles of your feet and the under arch of the foot, the bubbliness there. Pick it up, a tone, it's a tone, a tone of something tingling. And widen your awareness to include your lower leg and, and so forth. Palms of the hands. In the hands we just grab things or our fingers are doing things poking and probing and, and the hand receptor that which receives, that which strokes that which has that quality to it pick up that and you pick up the tone the mood of the palm open attentive So these are the physical tone, 
body tone, mental tone, mental attitude, mental energy, starts to adjust your attention. Your attention is less scientific and more like a healer. We are aiming for our well-being. <laughs> you know, end of suffering is supposed to make you feel good. It's all right to feel a few things. It's not just a scientific experiment in <coughs> observation. to it what would it be like if that attention that was moving over your body was something say warm noticing the muscles and resting on the sore places or the tight places with a warm quality this is um, negotiating contact and contact, the Bali word is passa, passa, contact. Contact is a sankara, that means there's activity at contact. So notice if you, you know, if you draw your finger and your thumb, fingertip, index finger and your thumb together, tip of the index finger, tip of the thumb coming together, you notice the moment when they just touch, there's a little tingle. Something sort of, a little bit of excitement there. Activation. You're plugged in. And something, oh, switch something on. Contact. Gets activated. interested in contact because this is a crucial point in Sankara activations and there are three expressions primary expressions of that and contact is one of them it's the specific activation engagement, tactile contact, visual contact, something strikes and uh you got something to get excited about, annoyed about, stirred about. Contact brings things into existence. There's a sutta 
when the Buddha describes experience as rooted in interest, as a searching. Rising with attention, attention starts to frame something up, born of contact. Something starts specifically occurring, converging on feeling. That is the first thing that you get with contact, how does it feel? Your body wants to know that very immediately. It drops something hot, it knows something is sharp, drops it, before you even think about it. Activation, reflex. Passa. So when we negotiate contact, contact even bringing your mind onto your body, bring your mental attention onto your body, is that contact something that's inspired by goodwill? It's just not passion, but just the friendly. Mm-hmm. Definitely you'll feel something changes, you know. It's encouraging. You know, it's different you come into the meditation, oh, it's seven o'clock, time to meditate, come in here, sit down, plunk. Oh, get on with it. Stop thinking, you know, focus on the breath. Get on with it, shut up, tie up. It's law and order again. <laughs> this is not this is not a very good parent. <laughs> Sit down, steady, okay, sitting, is that okay? Not quite. Just pull your back up. Is that better? Yeah, that's about it. Right, now what's happening? Just Arms, fingers, any anything you don't need. Get comfortable, get comfortable, settle, steady. How is that? Yeah. How how you feel safe, space around you, make sure you keep things out that you don't need. Protector. Nourishing. Hey, take some breath. Mm, take a nice long in breath, a nice long out breath. Yeah. So this, rather than, you know, shut up, sit down, be quiet, sit up straight, get meditating, get focused. Stop fidgeting. (laughs) So this is the atmosphere of meditation because we're doing it for our welfare. And that's the attitude to have in mind. Now, of course, it can be we can be feel really bad and sick and miserable and so on and stressed and 
agitated. But just slapping law and order onto it doesn't heal it. Shedding, carefully cleaning away the stress of the day, pain of, you know, the unpleasant feeling in the body, it's okay, we have to bear with this. So this responsiveness, the mind then, this is the true intelligence of the mind. The helpful, conducive intelligence begins with the heart. Then, body is happy, body feels, you know, there's some relaxation there. You go, okay, I can put up with that, doesn't really matter. It's generally I feel comfortable and in a place of goodwill, safety, comfort, goodwill. And it's amazing what one, you know, we, we can do with that. You know, certainly my experience in, well, quite a lot of life really, but in, in, in two dogs, which, you know, two or three of you, and it's cold, you're hungry, you didn't get much to eat, and you're climbing down a mountain, and you're tired, and you, you realize you can't, you've got to go on, because there's no shelter here, there's a shelter, but it's 10 kilometers away. And I know, yeah, your feet hurt, your legs hurt, your back hurts, you're tired, you've got to keep going. There's three of you doing it together, you get the good heart, and then there's a warm heart, and just this courage, and camaraderie, and you can do it. And there's a sense of great love that comes from bearing with the difficult in this cheerful, encouraging way. That's the love, friendship love, companionship love. And it comes through being in difficult places. You know? And what I notice uh, so often, in, particularly in the modern world, most of the world, people are really lonely because they're safe. Well, they think they're safe. You've got your heating system, your, your, your air conditioning, your car, your comfort things. You know, you've got all this padding to try to make you comfortable. You don't really need friends. Friends are just entertainment. <laughs> you know, friends are not entertainment. That's not what it's about. <coughs> friends are that which stays with you and gives to you when the times are rough. The good friend gives what needs to be given, bears with things for your sake, extends when you're down and out, doesn't give up on you. That's the friend. And so when we we don't allow ourselves to go into difficult places or we just freak out, or freeze up, complain, trying to plug something in, which is the tendency in the developed world. You have, you have machines, 
you don't have humans anymore <laughs> in that real warm loving way you know you have people you have fun with but how you know times of need so you know remember when I was a little boy when we were living in London it was just after the Second World War finished and so of course London had been bombed so everywhere there was lots of bombed out houses and all the country was economically ruined through the cost of the war so everywhere was pretty poor and things were broken down and very few people had a car maybe one car on the street everybody looked at it with admiration you know and uh, you know, and if we looked around, you could see the results of this terrible war, which I hadn't—I'd been born right at the end of it. And the food was short; food was rationed, so you only got so much milk or so much sugar a week. You had to fill in a little card to go down to a place to get your allowance of that. So everything was very carefully you could you know only this much sugar because we've got to get through to the end of the week yeah. and then what would happen is uh, you know the doors weren't locked the neighbor would come around tap on the door oh could you spare me any sugar run out of sugar sure you can have some of mine you know, because we're in it together. You, know? you wouldn't have a cup of milk, would you? My, my kid, oh sure, you can have some of mine. That quality, you know. And this is what uh, humans do, the guest. You know, it's someone you, you want someone in need to, to allow you to be larger. <laughs> You're happy with it. You're not, oh, you're such a nuisance. <laughs> but hey, we're together. And this, this brings us together. And your heart swells. And you know, I can go without. It doesn't matter. Because my heart is full. Yeah. And then, when th- then as gradually things got more and more comfortable, people didn't knock on the door. People didn't. Play, the kids didn't play in each other's houses. Yeah. And everybody had a car. People didn't give each other rides because everybody had a car. Well, they got their own car, doors started getting locked. <laughs> yeah. And then people started, you know, the whole thing isolation, comfortable, isolated lonely thousands of people lonely so you know someone's somebody in in London has a job she goes to the the funerals of the people who nobody knew who they were somebody just died and then a few days later you know all the newspapers stuck in the door somebody said that door hasn't opened for a week police break the door down somebody's dead nobody even knows who they were and they live next door and don't know who he was 
nobody knows him. Died alone. And there's somebody who, his job is to go to their funeral. Because nobody else cares, nobody else knows you. Oh dear, that's what we've got to. That's development. You see, in a, in a city, you see people trampling each other in a rush to get to work or to get what they want. <coughs> be frightened of each other, terror on the streets, development. Yeah, so we sit inside, go to Facebook, and feel we're connected. Because there is that yearning for connection, so you just do it that way, because you don't know the person next door. Heart. Yeah, and you get... People cutting those bodies. So you get these situations where young people start cutting razors, sharp cutting their bodies so they can get some feeling. So numbed out, so stressed out. Such total disrespect. Use a body like that. split off from it just a lump takes you to the next place people are just items on screens just like we treat animals meat on legs goes on doesn't it you can see the momentum of this process playing out our environment creatures our own bodies and each other and we don't feel any better for it lonely nervous desperate busy, agitated. The way out, coming into this, bestowing, extending heart, doesn't matter how bad it feels, it's going to make me more courageous, more willing to share the good friend. This is what you should walk with when you walk and sit with when you sit. 
and to have found this good friend is worth a lot of walking for a lot of challenging for a lot of dissuffering for So let's continue the practice today with whatever is useful. I do you know, very much encourage sensing through the heart, you know, it's the feeling, the tones of the body, the attitudes of the mind, gracious, humorous, warm, friendly, adjusting, finding your tempo, your pace. Comforting, strengthening, firming up. Simple things, simple forms, profound gestures within those forms. <laughs>